Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 90. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. Christopher and Tim in the Guide Shack. Thursday, July 2nd, the last day of the Spring 2020 Wilderness Guide Training Semester, which is also long-term program number 49 that we've run over the last 21 years. Uh, It's hot. It's gross. It's summer. There's more bugs around than you could count uh, then there are stars in the sky. Yeah. How about that? Well, to, to that, there were, last night, there were, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say like half a million fireflies in the field last night. It was absolutely beautiful to see. Stunningly beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. Not all bugs are bad bugs. No, but the deer flies are bad bugs. The deer flies, the noceums, the black flies, yeah. the mosquitoes. Thank, I think we're nearing the end of black fly season. Yep. I said deer fly, and my dog, who's sitting under the table while we record this, put her hands over her eyes. She's not a fan. Or her paws. Nope. Hands. <laughs> paws would be more accurate, I suppose. Um, we've got three new journeyman certificate holders. Yep. And riverman. We've got three new level two riverman certificate holders. Um, so hats off to those guys. Yeah, they worked hard. Uh, David... B and Jesse, um, congratulations. It's, uh, it's quite an accomplishment. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today is why it's hard. Yeah, it's a super challenging thing to go through. Everybody, when we start it, every, we always recommend everybody starts trying for it. And then usually in the first like three weeks, people start to say, you know, this isn't really what I wanted to get out of it. And then you have a few that just push the whole time to get stuff done. And that's, that's how we like it. So in order to successfully complete the journeyman certification, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of academic work. It's a lot of crafting work. It's a lot of benchmarks with regards to cooking, with regards to friction fires. It's doable in the nine weeks, but it's challenging. And you can't really take, you could probably take a day off, but you can't really take multiple days off and still expect to complete all of the things that you have to do in order to achieve that standard. And that's by design. When we started coming up with the idea of having our own in-house certifications that would hopefully uh, be respected beyond the four walls of the guide shack, it was let's figure something out that's going to be really challenging but doable. That that And in order to come up with something like that, we had to be okay with the idea that not everyone can achieve it. Yeah. 
and not everyone will achieve it. So sort of we had two tracks to go down. We had the sort of social promotion track where everybody achieves it, everybody gets a trophy, and it's just sort of saying that you were here on the course. And we decided, no, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to make something that was super challenging, that someone had to really work hard and apply themselves to achieve. Yeah, everybody, everybody that comes up here at the beginning of the course um, always sort of feels like they want to get into this industry and do it. Um, and, you know, we are always looking for sort of uh, people that maybe we'd want to work with in the future, whether here at Jack Mountain or at whatever program they start. And the journeyman for us is a really good indicator of somebody that has sort of the, I guess, grit to keep working at it. And that, yeah, it's a, it's a great indicator for us of that, I think. But again, it's it's hard. Yeah. And that's why... I think less than 30% of people on our long-term courses get the, achieve the, the journeyman cert. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. And it isn't just, um, it isn't just like a physical thing. There's a lot of like academic stuff that goes into it. It's a, it's a really well-rounded certification that requires a lot of work in different, uh, sort of veins. And that, I think that, um, isn't what people expect often in this world. And, uh, yeah, so it takes a lot of a lot of work physically, and then a lot of hours in the library doing studies and stuff like that. Yeah, but just want to reiterate that that it's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard on the body. It's hard on the mind. It's hard on the hands to pick a specific part of the yeah. body. People often ask, "Hey, what can I do to prepare to come up and be successful on a long term course at Jack Mountain?" Um, and, you know, we're always quick to tell them, hey, this isn't like a, it's not a, an Ironman competition where we're doing huge endurance stuff. It's not like a bodybuilding competition where we're trying to get your max bench press. But it's hard physical work uh, day in, day out. So it's more of a grueling slog than a sprint or something like that. But I think the biggest the biggest body part that, that people have trouble with around here is the hands. It's hard on the hands. So if you've spent the last 10 years working in an office, typing away on a keyboard or, uh, you know, really anything that's not kind of manual labor-ish, uh, it's a big slap in the face when you're using your hands every day to carve, to swing axes. And they, it takes their toll. We had a guy a couple of years ago get pretty bad carpal tunnel yeah. syndrome as a result because he went from not using his hands, you know, for a big period of his life to using them every day. And it just... You know, the the things we hear from students, um, you know, who was, you remember the guy a couple of years ago, uh, he woke up and, oh, my hands are numb again, and his hands would be numb in the morning. And, Anthony. Yeah. Uh, I knew his name. I just didn't want to say it. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I thought you were, I No, I wasn't trying to jog your memory. But yeah, that's a pretty common thing that it, it's rough on the hands. So last night, I was sitting here reading or rereading the book Swedish Carving Techniques by Willie Sundquist, which is a great book. We have an old copy. It's back in print. If you're interested in working with a knife uh, to carve, you should get it. But in the introduction, he's talking about uh, training dexterity. So this is a quote from the book and I'm reading here. Many young people don't get enough practice using their hands and thus don't strengthen them or achieve much dexterity. If you look closely when they work with their hands, you will see that they lack strength, which is a prerequisite for doing good handwork. Logical, practical, and creative thinking would be of little use if we could not perform the tasks generated by that thinking. It is the hand's skill 
coordinated with thought that has advanced our technical culture to where it is today. And then he goes on to talk a little bit more about how, you know, back in the day around the homestead, children would be using their hands a lot and would develop that dexterity and strength. But, you know, what we're faced with if someone's been an office worker for a number of years is that they're lacking that dexterity and strength with the hands. And that becomes evident, you know, because we're using a knife every day here. We're swinging an axe every day. And it becomes very uh, challenging to take, uh, you know, imagine it from like a workout perspective. Imagine you've never ran in your life and all of a sudden you're training for a marathon every day. You know, yeah. it, it's a tough transition. It's it's just hard on the body. Yeah, and it and it especially early on in the course, people are, you know, they're uncomfortable as they start to learn their sleep systems and stuff here. So maybe your sleeps aren't great and so you're not getting the recharge and anything like that and you just don't have the time to catch up. Um, yeah, it's a tough thing for people. Yeah, and add to that, you're cooking every meal over a fire. And yep. if you haven't done that, that's a bit of an adjustment as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, if, if people can come up here with one thing, it's find something to do with your hands before you get up here just to kind of work them a little bit. That'd be a good thing. But they, what if they brought a gallon of ice cream, too, if they brought one thing? They'd be ready for the ice cream challenge, that's yeah, for sure. I think that would be good, you know, because I'm always happy to have a lot of ice cream stockpiled <laughs> here, especially in the winter. Uh, so we've talked about how it's hard on the body. It's hard on the mind. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a challenging thing. Um, it's especially challenging say, cause many people haven't been away from loved ones at home for any length of time. And you know, that's, it's hard. It's lonely. It's a lot of nights in a tent by yourself, missing the kids, missing the, missing the family. Um, and that's not easy. We had a, a man this past semester who, uh, young kid at home really missed the family and uh the second we were done yesterday and all cleaned up he said i'm, I'm taking off i'm heading home driving um, all night driving all night and you know that's a challenging thing as well i think the the romanticizing of being on your own in the forest is is one side of the coin and the other is kind of laying there at night before you drift off to sleep missing the people who are important to you yeah and that's that's a challenge and um you know, one way that some people massage that challenge that we don't recommend is to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on the phone, spend a lot of time looking at looking at pictures, and and not recommended. Never seems to help. Yeah. The you know we're highly uh, recommend that when you're here, be here. Yep. That was a a phrase that I don't know who coined that a couple of years ago. Our but friend. Well, am I supposed to say his name this time? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it was a, our, our former student friend, John Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're here, be here, which is great because, you know, the idea of modern people always, yeah. no matter where you are, there's somebody doing something cooler. And so you keep up with that person by looking at your phone nonstop. And, and that's usually not very helpful and, and also can be a big negative because you miss what's going on around you all the time. Yeah, it's a really, really tough thing to work with, especially as you start to, you know, we go into places where there isn't cell service and then you're kind of just alone with your thoughts. And it's, a, yeah, if you're not really prepared for that, it's, a, it's just like you were saying with the, uh, you know, we don't need people to come up here being like bodybuilders or triathletes or anything, but we also don't need people to come up here as like master Zen monks, but you do need to have some sort of like management of your own thoughts and kind of you control them rather than the reverse, because it's, it's nine weeks of being up here with a bunch of strangers, um, who eventually become your family, but it's a tough thing. And it, and 
that's if yeah if you're going to prepare for this course i would recommend something like that take take 20 minutes a day put your phone in a drawer and just kind of enjoy your own thoughts for a little while because there's going to be a lot of that up here yeah maybe a meditation practice yeah. is a good thing or something along those lines or just start reading more something along that line yeah, yeah some non-electronic forms yeah. of entertainment there's a lot of reading that goes on during the course as part of the journeyman yeah. background research and studies um so yeah that's a good thing to do um so mental toughness is a key component yeah. of people who succeed here we just got back from solos. We always end the long courses with a with a solo, couple of nights and days out in the woods by yourself, usually on a remote lake or river or something like that. Um, and that's a really hard thing for people. And it seems to be, you know, as as we're into decade three of doing this, it seems like it's getting harder for people because everybody these days is is constantly tuned in, you know, constantly online with everything that's going on around it and we always choose a spot with no cell phone coverage to do solos so that that can't be a distraction um but as we start to work with generations who were raised where they were constantly in touch with everybody they know that that bit about being cut off seems to really wear on people more so than it did say 10 or 20 years ago um and having you know being able to being able to pull that off being able to be okay with yourself for an extended period of time in a remote location is, uh, you know, sort of a prerequisite, I would think, for working in this industry. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I think we kind of wrote it down right before we started, but there's something up here to get everyone. And what we mean by that is what the people that I see often struggle the most with the mental part of it is the people that don't, people that are so physical and so, like, not busy, but they're, they're really good at having jobs to do. And then as soon as they're out on the solos with nothing to do, that's when... And I say nothing to do. They have plenty of projects and stuff to work on. But as soon as there's like not a task to be completed, that's when their thoughts kind of sneak up on them. And it's it's a super interesting thing to me, um, that sort of that ability to be alone with yourself. And it's a learned skill. And some people just don't want to learn it. Or just haven't been exposed to it yeah. by this point in their in their life. Yeah. Uh, Which not many people have. Like the idea of sitting sitting on a, a remote lake with no cell coverage by yourself for three days. I don't know a lot of people that have gone out of their ways to do that alone anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember my very first solo, not, not on a course, just sort of decided to go and do it. And yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, opportunity to learn stuff about yourself. Yeah. And kind of one of the big... Uh, slogans i guess would be a way to call it one of the big slogans that we have here is to know thyself and that's you know that's self-knowledge it's one of the big seven elements of the jack mountain bushcraft school <coughs> excuse me programs of those are skill journey craft nature culture sustainability and self and to know yourself on a really deep and visceral level is one of the things that we set out to do it's a stated goal and one of the ways that we achieve that you know, from a practical perspective is to learn all the parameters in which your body can function in the natural world, like how big of a bed, how soft of a bed, how much water do you need to drink a day, how much food, all those things. But also, you know, to really know yourself to, is to be alone with yourself without a lot of distractions. And that's where the solo comes in. And I think that the people, you know, at the end of the solo process, at the end of the course, often have a much greater 
appreciation is that the word i'm looking for for themselves or just self uh, just amount understanding of... okay understanding yeah and self-knowledge because i mean you know it, there's it, i don't want this to play out as like if you go on a solo and you like you should be able to stay out there indefinitely there's something to knowing like how long you can go without talking to another person it's the same as knowing i don't know how well you can work with little sleep and all that kind of it's another just kind of thing that you can when in that experience say okay two nights two nights was enough for me after that i get a little cagey and then you can start growing from there there's something to that i think yeah what did sam larson do on alone like 90 something days yeah that was a that was a challenging solo yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's like something like that is a that that doesn't you don't get to that point of nine of being able to do 90 days alone by just jumping in and hoping you do it by doing it a little bit a lot and seeing how it grows and building habits for dealing with being alone um and yeah, that's a tough thing there's a trend there like you don't jump right off of the uh, couch and run a marathon no you build up to it you yeah. don't jump right into like using your hands to carve stuff every single day without easing into it right yeah. otherwise you get those repetitive stress injuries and maybe there's and maybe there's a mental repetitive stress injury that that I don't know what it would be, but uh, you know something to the idea that hey, you've never experienced this. You jump in with two feet to try to do some reality TV show where you're lost on some island for I don't know six months, and maybe if you've never spent time alone or two nights in the woods by yourself, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, kind of easing yeah, that, into something it. like that could be like that's super traumatic. Like yeah. To, yeah, that's that's not anything we recommend at all. No, no. Um, yeah, but you know, it's sort of with Christopher's thing there, there. There's sort of something to get everyone. Yeah, you know, if you're like, if you're that uh, mentally zen person, then maybe the physical stuff will get you. And yeah. if you're the, you know, the physical workhorse, you work with your hands every day. Maybe some of the some of the mental stuff and being alone will get you. But yeah, I mean, the academic stuff too is a thing that people come up and are sort of surprised by having to do and it it's gotten people in the past like i i am not my brain doesn't work that way i can't do it yeah it's hard yep there's plenty of hard things for everybody <laughs> we're really selling this program yeah <laughs> we're basically saying if yeah if you're averse to hardship and if you're averse to hard work please find somewhere else to go yeah this is not for you yeah it's a it's a it's a tough thing to and we've said it a bunch but this is this is a hard course to complete um, and you will be much better off. You'll have a much better chance of completing it and getting the journeyman. If you come up here sort of well-rounded at all those things, rather than having, uh, being really good at one of them, I think. Yeah. So, but semester 49, Jeez. I mean, essentially I've got to take all the trash to the dump tonight and then, uh, we big handshake and, and send people on their way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is your fifth year. Yeah, fifth year here. Yeah, five years now. Seemed like coming 100 up on yet. five. It seemed like a hundred the day you told me you wanted to come up here. Feel like you're trapped in a gulag and can't get out. I thought this was called the guide shack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's every semester I learn something else, and this one hasn't been any different. It's a good yeah. It's a good learning. Lots of learning going. Learning. On. I'm, I'm learning. learning. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, so big news around here. Um, some of you people out there in podcast land, especially the ones that I know personally know that the Smith family have been interested in 
relocating from Tim's childhood home in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. We've got that up for sale. We've got a buyer. We've got a a line on a house here in Masardis directly adjacent to the field school. So that could dramatically change the, uh, the way that we run courses up here. Um, you know, I just, having lived off the grid now, this is year 12, I think, uh, the, the thought of not living out of a cooler for seven months of the year of maybe having like a chest freezer a few miles away is that thought doesn't suck, right? I, I love the off-grid lifestyle, but there's certain aspects of trying to run a business off the grid that I wouldn't be happy to see them go away. You know, we sort of create a bunch of media in the wintertime when, when there's Wi-Fi and, and electricity, and then we come out here and we still manage to pull off podcasts. Yeah, but because, we drop off the map for a lot of the other stuff while we're up here. Yeah, so it could be a really boon to the uh, to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School business if we have a little local office. Uh, and it looks like that's likely going to take place. Um, hopefully by the end of the summer it'll be all wrapped up. I won't make any uh, big predictions or anything until it's all said and done. Um, because, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but once it happens, you'll know. Um, what else, what else is going on? Well, I think there's, I think it's worth everyone seeing a little bit into your head with that is that, uh, Tim's not going to make any predictions on air, but we have a lot of ideas for what to do if that goes through. And every time I've come up here, it's, there's been like red string connecting maps (laughs) together. He's just been up here scheming. So lots of, lots of cool things to come if that goes through. We're excited about it. We're very excited about it. Um, and semester long-term program number 50 is coming in August. Yeah. Like who knew back when we started doing this, that we'd do 50 of them. And yeah, that's, that's a, it's a nice round number. It's a big number. You I'm sort of intimidated quit. by it. You should just be done after 50. Yeah. I don't know what, uh, I'm not really qualified do do to do anything that? else. Get to a hundred? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Um, but kind of exciting, you know, 50 of those It when we started doing this, it was, uh, kind of a uh, an off the wall out there idea and now um you know with 50 of them or 49 of them behind us uh, maybe not so off the wall it's always interesting too to take a look around on the internet and see all the different kind of long-term bushcraft or primitive skills or outdoor programs that are out there now and uh you know pretty neat pretty interesting to see that idea kind of be embraced by other people and watch it grow yeah and not trying to make the claim that, you know, I invented it or anything like that, but just I think it was an idea whose time had come and it's interesting to see it kind of blossom like a flower. Yeah, it's it's always it's always a lot of fun to be up here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking Christopher about. Christopher hasn't had coffee. I yet haven't today. had coffee yet today and it's <laughs> it's very apparent, I'm sorry. It's very hot and very muggy. I don't do well in the heat. We're gonna get a cold front today, so yeah. we're excited about that. He's been saying that for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so this summer coming up, Tim's got a couple courses running. I don't have anything. I'm just going to sit in a pond and be hypothermic. That's a great. That's that my sounds, plan. Sounds awesome right now. I got I got a lot of homesteady stuff to do this summer, but no courses running for School of the Forest with the COVID stuff going on. Yeah, what do you have going on? Well, we've got the Summer Woodsman, the Advanced Boreal Forest Summer Survival, and then the Riverman on the Allagash, which I'm a little nervous about because there was no water. There's we no there. water in northern Maine right now, so we need some significant rain events uh, to take place for us to pull off <laughs> a trip on on any river near nearby here now. Um, 
So we're hoping to get that rain. We've got, uh, what do we have? We've got four weeks before the beginning of that. Um, so hopefully we'll get some rain. Yeah. And if not, uh, we'll come up with some sort of a plan B. It's been super challenging with the COVID, uh, you know, back and forth with people from out of state uh, wondering what the rules are and, you know, the powers that be sort of keep moving the goalposts on the rules, which just make it really difficult to plan as a business. Yeah. Um, and that's been challenging. You know, I understand what they're trying to do is to slow the spread of this pandemic, but it's also, you know, when the rules are different almost week to week, it, it makes it uh, just challenging to plan. So, yeah. um, you know, I know everybody's doing the best they can and uh, I applaud them for that. But uh, yeah, I don't envy those decisions. I don't envy those decisions at all. Like, oh. So happy I'm... I would have to drink so much coffee to be able to make those decisions. I would probably have a monkey and a dartboard, and the monkey would throw the <laughs> darts. Straight. Yeah, and wherever the dart landed, that's the new that's the new plan. It just lands in the trash can. Yeah, well, I don't know <laughs> what would happen then. But then, if it did come back where everybody was really upset, I'd be like, hey, don't blame me. Blame the monkey the, on my back. The monkey threw the dart, The monkey not threw me. the dart. I didn't throw the my dart. My hands are clean. <laughs> exactly. So... Uh, yeah, we've got that coming up. Yeah, other big news. We've been, as you guys, if you guys have been paying attention, you've seen we've been doing a lot of work up at our uh, lovingly referred to as Moose Vegas, our place where our students camp out. We had the field flattened, and Tim planted a bunch of clover and grass. And then the, and then the drought And hit. then it didn't rain for a month, <laughs> so we just go up and look at the stunted clover. But we were up there yesterday. It was so much nicer than when it was just you I didn't trip once which is a huge deal for us because I spent the last three years or two years falling over every every uncut stump in that field. yeah bloody shins so many I haven't bloody had bloody shins. shins since they stumped it yeah now I just got a bloody head because the deer flies love that spot now yeah but uh we'll get rid of them with fire <laughs> and a monkey with a dart yeah um but yeah so we've got other big plans coming up for that this summer we're gonna turn that into what do we refer? What do we start referring to this place as? The Area Fifty Two. Area Fifty Two is the name, but we started referring to the field school as uh, oh, a bushcraft theme park. Bushcraft theme park, yeah. Just uh, and I don't really know what that means. Tim just says it a lot, and it makes me excited. Well, we're just gonna have lots of cool bushcrafty yeah. stuff. That's you know, just have things set up ready to go all the time. Um, you know, examples of different deadfall traps, examples of shelters, examples of crafts. So when people come visit, even if they're only here for a short period of time, you know, they get to see all the stuff that that we do on the long programs. And uh, yeah, yeah, it'll step be right into that functioning system. And we're gonna we're gonna set up a giant gate at the front with those big like Jurassic Park style letters. Yeah, that say uh, Jack Mountain. Right, it'll open, and then you can always be like, "Welcome to Bushcraft Park." near a giant stone obelisk which is next to a giant wood obelisk what what's an obelisk an obelisk is a a giant i think it's supposed to be a square tower um usually with something carved onto it or if you're like me it's a barber pulled fir tree with a bunch of bones stuck to it okay so maybe we won't have giant obelisks well i think we should i think we should let people know what we're about right from the get-go i think moderately sized obelisks <laughs> moderately sized obelisks <laughs> let's, like let's let's miniature obelisks yeah let's They're just rocks Let's uh, let, let's not set the expectations too high. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, on that note, uh, I think we'll wrap this up because we're both a little bit punchy and we still have a ton of stuff to do 
today. Um, but we just wanted to touch base once while everything was still fresh in our in our brains about the semester, and uh, yeah, we wanted to talk about um, how hard it is to, to yeah, pull off and be successful with the with the journeyman. So if you're coming to a future course, if you're coming to the fall semester, start working with your hands. Do things with your hands. Do things that make them sore. Do things to where they get sore, almost to the point of hurting, and then stop. And then do a little bit more with it the next day and the next day. So then by the time you matriculate here, you know, your hands are sort of ready to ready to undertake the many challenges that await them. Yeah, and uh, the good place to start with that is shorter courses. Are the summer courses full? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I think everything's full. Yeah. I've had three more, uh, I have three signups for that, uh, program that's going to start in the fall. That'll be the, um, the Freelance Leaf Forest program down in Vermont. So if people are interested with that, get in touch. And I think we've still got spots on the fall semester, right? We might have one. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, definitely lots of interest. Lots of people are emailing, wondering if yeah. we're running programs because of the COVID. And we are. Yep. Because we really have nothing better to do. And, you know, from a social distancing perspective, if you're up here in the woods of Arusta County, Maine, there's nobody around. Town is super, super small. We're up here. You're camped in your own tent. You know, we rarely get closer than eight feet to other people. I think the closest we ever get is when we're recording this podcast. I I think he's right. And and like, I'm very unnerved by it. Yeah. And like, not just physically, like spiritually. What? I don't know. I really need to drink some coffee. (laughs) Uh, uh yeah yeah that's probably uh that's probably a good place to wrap it up God. people out in podcast land are thinking these two knuckleheads have finally lost <laughs> Not these it. two just the one finally just the one it. so anyway thank you very much for listening uh if you enjoyed this podcast you know the drill helps help us spread the word a bit and uh thank you for spending this time with us on this uh, lovely thursday morning so hope you guys have a great day hope everybody out there is healthy and safe and your loved ones are healthy and safe and then that continues to be the case have a good one you have been listening to the jack mountain bushcraft podcast For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.